Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we are concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. Today we have a very direct story with fierce rewards and fierce consequences. The lesson really is this, be ready or you'll be shut out. So the question I have for you today is a simple one. Are you ready for the return of Jesus? It's not hard to be ready. To do so, to be ready, all you need to do is this. First, Jesus needs to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You need to receive him. And then you need to follow him as his disciple. When you do those two things, receive Jesus and follow him, we will be ready. You will be ready. But the wait for Jesus' return is long. None of us know when he's coming back, so we run the risk of getting distracted, of getting unprepared, and with our hearts located somewhere else. So I ask you again, are you ready? Let's read our text of scripture. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Jesus is teaching, he says this, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So perhaps our modern ears and minds hear this story and think it to be a strange one. Ten virgins waiting for bridegroom. What is going on here? Well, a simple answer to that. Why so many? is Jesus is directing his audience's attention to the idea that runs all throughout the Old Testament that the nation of Israel, all the people of Israel, are God's bride. The nation and all the people are to treat their relationship with God like a marriage relationship. It is to be that close, that trusting, and that wonderful. But as we all know, when the wedding relationship, the marriage relationship is betrayed, it is terrible and the hurt runs deep. God wants us to take our relationship with him seriously. He wants us to see how wonderful the relationship can be. Now, I know there are still oddities in the stories that are hard for us to get our minds around. 
If we are not careful, we might make it a story about the poor young women who could not get oil and were left out of the party. Why wouldn't the five wise virgins help the five foolish ones? Isn't that awful of them? I've heard many people say that, and I've wondered it myself. Shouldn't those wise virgins be held accountable for not helping? Except helping your neighbor is not the point of this story. Being ready is the point. And context is important. And this story, Matthew 25, 1-13, sits in the midst of a number of teachings Jesus gives about being prepared for the arrival of the end times. This wedding story is about being ready, being prepared. Jesus is telling each one of us that we can and should be ready for his return and that there are consequences if we are not ready. Let's talk a little bit about Jewish weddings, because I think that will help us understand what's happening here. In a typical Jewish marriage, the groom would make preparations at his parents' home. When he was ready, he would leave from his parents' house with a group of friends, the wedding party, to join, uh, to journey to the bride's home. She was to be ready and waiting for his arrival. And at his arrival, the wedding ceremony would be held, and the newly married couple and the wedding guests would form a processional, a parade, to the wedding banquet. And that banquet was usually at the groom's home. There's a lot of traveling in ancient weddings. This banquet was often held at night. So the picture we have today is not an unusual one. It's not strange to have a wedding party, a banquet at night. The bride was responsible for being ready for the groom's arrival, and she would carry a torch to light the way on the processional. These torches, you could picture a bowl holding oil-soaked rags. These torches could burn for hours if they were refilled with fresh oil. And this is the picture you need to have in your mind. Ten virgins are waiting. Their torches are lit, but the torches burn out because they've been waiting a long time. Now the bridegroom has arrived. The person is calling out, he's getting there. He's almost here. The wise women refill their lamps with their extra oil. They're ready. The foolish ladies, they're not prepared, and they have no oil to refill their lamps. If everyone shares their oil, the lamps will go out before they arrive at the wedding feast. There's not enough to go around. And so those foolish virgins are told to go out and buy more oil, which that's a hard thing to do late at night. And so they either find some oil or they arrive late because they've been wandering to the party in the dark. Perhaps they're not even recognized by the bridegroom because they stand in the darkness and their faces are obscured. It's a simple story with a simple lesson, but its rewards and consequences are fierce. This is a story for all of us. Israel is described in many places in the Old Testament as the bride of God, and the church is described as the bride of Christ. The teaching is a warning to be ready as Christ's bride. But first, I want to direct your attention to just one simple idea. Because as I read this story, I do see a lesson that there is a limit to how much we can help others. Please hear me. I am not saying don't help others. Most of us are not doing enough to help others. But it's too easy to look at the five wise women who are prepared and get frustrated that they refuse to help. It's easy to find fault in others. We seem to be doing that more and more in our culture. And 
It's easy to look at others and say, oh, they should help. They should be better. They should. How could they? And we start to judge others. But this story isn't about others. It's about me. It's about you. It's about the person reading the story. We are to put ourselves in the shoes of the foolish and the wise, and we are to learn from them. We are to learn the warning. We are to learn preparedness. It's a silly little saying, but I like it. When you point a finger at someone else, there are three fingers pointed back at you. And don't run that risk today as you read this story. Don't point at the five who are unwilling to share their oil and say, how terrible of them. This story is about fixing yourself, being ready yourself. Jesus' teaching reminds us that there will come a point when each one of us must stand personally before him. And in that moment, we are to be ready. Judgment will happen and we'll either be ready or we're not ready. You cannot carry another person through that moment, and others cannot carry you through that moment. It's up to you and me to be ready for ourselves. In that moment, we have no choice but to be ready ourselves. By all means, help others, but realize there is a limit to how much you can help your neighbor. You cannot be their savior. At some point, they need to put their trust in Jesus as their savior. So as you help your neighbor... As you love others, point them to Jesus so that they too can be ready. But truly, the main lesson of this story is that we must be prepared. Let me ask you this question. What is the difference between the wise and the foolish virgins? All ten are virgins. All ten are waiting in the same place for the bridegroom. All ten have been invited to the wedding. All have lamps. All of them fall asleep. I want to point that out because we often think about falling asleep while on lookout as being a bad thing. But it's not a bad thing in a story. All of them fall asleep. All ten fall asleep. Only five are seen as foolish. The difference, the difference is a little object, a jar of oil. Five brought with them extra oil, and five did not. That's it. It's a jar of oil. And I think there's something to be learned from this. Some of us think that being prepared for the return of Christ is complicated. It is not. The only way you can be ready is to have received the forgiveness and salvation from Jesus that he has purchased with his blood, and then to live as his disciple. Some might say we have to be constantly vigilant, scanning the horizon for signs. But in this story, the ten virgins do not do this. They all fall asleep. Some might say that fear keeps us ready, that we should be fearful about being left behind. Fear is not an emotion that comes in the five ladies' lives. They are simply ready. Because they are ready, they can enjoy the wait. They can fall asleep, and they can fall asleep with confidence. When the bridegroom arrives, they will be prepared. The five foolish ladies will feel fear. They will feel disappointment, and they will suffer from from being shut out from the wedding feast. But this is because they are unprepared. They are unprepared first. Fear, disappointment, and suffering comes later. They knew exactly what needed to happen to be ready. They were to wait at the appropriate place, be dressed for the banquet. They were to have their torches ready for the wedding processional. 
but they were not ready. They did not have the extra oil. And so the bridegroom arrives, and in that moment, they went out to finish up business. But who sells oil late at night? It's been suggested that they perhaps stand in the dark, knocking on the door of the wedding feast, and the bridegroom looks out the door and doesn't recognize them because of the darkness, that they are choosing darkness because they are not ready. That's not a place that you or I should be. We don't want to choose darkness because we are not ready. Putting off Christ, putting off being his disciple, is choosing darkness, though we may not feel it is. Are you ready? Michael Wilkins, in his commentary on Matthew, proposes that this story, along with several others in chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew, teaches about how to be prepared for Jesus. And he proposes four qualities of that preparedness. I want to just touch on them real quickly here. The first quality he mentions is responsibility, and he would cite the text of Matthew uh, 20, chapter 24, verses 45 through 51. I'll let you read that on your own. But here Jesus tells a story of a servant, a servant who is put in charge of his master's household. At first, the servant treats the household and its servants as the master would, with kindness. But as time passes, he decides that since the master's not around, he can treat everyone as he wishes, and he becomes wicked to them. He forsakes responsibility for his own desires. It's as though he's saying, I only have to behave when the master is present. But a follower of Jesus obeys Jesus as his disciple all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the look on someone's face. Their look on their face changes after they find out I'm a pastor. Maybe we've been hanging out for a little while. I've gotten to know them. We've been telling stories. I've been learning about who they are. And then when they figure out, oh, you're a pastor, I see them often rethinking. They're rethinking everything they said in front of me over the last 15 minutes, trying to make sure everything was appropriate. It's like they decided they have to be different now. First, don't worry about impressing your pastor with good behavior. We are all walking life together and following Jesus, trying to do what is best. We all live in a sin-filled world, so don't worry. But if we want to be prepared for Jesus, we will live in a way that is pleasing to him at all times, even when we feel like no one is watching. The second quality that Wilkins talks about is readiness, and that's from our text today. Uh, Matthew 25, 1 through 13, about the ten virgins being ready with the extra oil. If you need to seek forgiveness from someone you've wronged, if you have sin that needs confessed to God, if you've been putting off the pursuit of holiness, I urge you, do not wait. Be ready now. Take care of it now. When Jesus returns, there will not be more time to tie up the loose ends. We do not even know that we are promised tomorrow. So even if Jesus does not return, we're not guaranteed that we have plenty of time to make things right later. So take care of it now. The third item that Wilkins talks about is productivity. And in Matthew chapter 25 Verses 14 through 30 is that famous parable of the talents. The current NIV calls it the parable of bags of gold. I'm not sure that I really like that, but it is somewhat accurate. Wilkins in his commentary reminds us that if we follow Jesus, if we call ourselves Christians, we must be employed in the service of the kingdom. We must be productive. It's not enough for us to just, well, wait around. We need to serve. We need to produce. 
We are charged with the mission to go and make more disciples. Being prepared for Jesus means we are doing our best to be productive for God's kingdom in whatever way we can. The fourth and final quality he mentions is simply this one, accountability. Talking about uh, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, it's a story of judgment where we are held accountable for who we are before the king. In this story, it's sheep and goats that are separated, and they cry out to the king to find out why they have been separated, and we see that they are judged by what they have done for the least of these. So this is where helping others comes back into the teaching about being ready. We all will be held accountable at the final judgment. Now, while I have been, I may have been in our time, at the beginning of our time, talking about the limits of how we can help our neighbor, we are reminded that the measure of a disciple is how much their heart is transformed by Jesus. And this is reflected by how we humbly help and serve others. We'll be held accountable. Are you ready? So do not give up on loving your neighbors, but do not judge others by how you measure their love for their neighbors. Hear the words of Jesus. We are called to be ready. Are you ready for Jesus' return? I do not ask to cause fear. I don't want you to be afraid. Too often I think it's not too often we think it's not about missing the moment, about I I just don't want to be left behind, and we don't want to be left behind. But you know what? I think of those five wise ladies in our story. And I'm pretty sure they enjoyed waiting for the bridegroom. They could sleep and sleep without fear. They were excited when his arrival was announced. They were ready. And I think many of us are missing out. Life is better now if we decide to take Jesus seriously and live ready right now. You can live life in fear and in chaos by just putting everything off, or you can enjoy God's creation all the more because you're ready. You can enjoy your relationships with others all the more because you're ready. We can live life to the fullest all the more because we are ready. Are you ready? Do not wait a moment longer to be ready for Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word of Scripture. It might sound odd to our ears, this story, but you desire for us to enjoy life to its fullest by being ready for Jesus. Lord, I pray for the men and women right now who are inviting Jesus into their lives as Lord and Savior. Help them to to follow you in full diligence. Lord, when we're tempted to stray away, feeling that there is time to make things right later, pierce our conscience and draw us back to yourself. Thank you for the forgiveness and salvation that are purchased by the blood of Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.